The following audio is from Deering Christian Church. Join us Sunday mornings at 1015 or check us out at DeeringChristian.org. Thanks. I want to introduce you to, um, to Kitty and Cat. All right. Now, we're pretty original with our names of our, of our animals, our pets at home. Okay. I, I mean, I, I mean, kitty and cat. Are you telling? I mean, that, that's about as original as it gets. Let's start. And, and Tim's not going to know which one's which. I, I've told you this, Tim, and I know that you should know this. All right. But you probably don't because we kitty and cat are both regular topics of conversation at our home group. Just regular because they're celebrities. You understand? So, um, okay. First, let's put kitty up here. Tim? Yes, very good, Tim. All right. Yes, this is Kitty. Okay, now Kitty's not cross-eyed, but it's very difficult to get a picture of a... Have you ever tried to take a picture of a cat? They don't hold still, okay, unless you want them to move. Then they hold still for long periods of time right in front of you, so you trip over them. But that's a different story. Okay, this... This is Kitty. Let me tell you a little something about Kitty. Kitty showed up about two months ago, all right? Kitty started out as somewhat of a wild cat that became more and more of a tame cat. Now, the interesting thing about Kitty is you take Kitty outside of the mowed grass, what we call the yard, all right? He, like, turns wild again. And, like, you try to walk up to him, and he's gone like a, like a rocket, all right? But you bring him inside the yard, and he's just this lovable little thing. And um, he's, got this, he's got this pansy little meow voice, meow, meow. and I'm just like, how can this cat survive? I just don't understand it. And, and he's level. Now, this is the thing about Kitty. Kitty is just an average cat, okay? Just average. But we think he's adorable because of cat. Now, throw a picture of cat up here. Okay, this is cat, all right? Um, cat is the same age. The cat means something to us because we got cat literally about a month and a half before Addison was born. All right? And he was just a little kid and he was a little south, what do they call it? One of those, those safe, uh, uh, rescue. That's the word I'm looking for. He was a rescue cat. You remember what happened in 2007? Yeah. That Noah's flood came and hit southeast Kansas and northeast Oklahoma. So what we had was all these animals that showed up in pet shelters and stuff down in Bartlesville. Well, we ended up with cat, okay? So that tells you that cat in cat years is like 358 years old, okay? Um, now, the thing about cat, he doesn't look too bad right here because he actually has hair. In the summertime, he loses his hair because he has allergies, okay? We've tried everything to help him keep his hair. Our, cat, our people call him the leprosy cat. That's what our home group people call him. And, um, but he, um, now let me tell you something else about kitty and cat. Okay, you got kitty and cat out here, and they actually do get along, which blows my mind, but they do, they do get along. Um, but you come up to kitty, and, and you start petting kitty, and kitty immediately starts purring. You know, cat lost the ability to purr or something. He, he can't purr. Okay, so, so the kitty's purring and rubbing on your leg, and you can just sit there and pet and pet and pet kitty until you're just tired of doing it, and he's just loving on you like crazy. Okay, that's kitty. Cat, this is cat, all right? Now, don't get me wrong. Cat likes to be petted, but this is what happens. You pet cat, and you've got to watch the whole time you're petting because you pet cat 
for a maximum of about 15 seconds, a minimum on a bad day of about three seconds, and he decides he will attack you, okay? Now, don't get me wrong. He loves it, but he loves making you bleed too, okay? So you're sitting there, and if you get distracted, um, you're bleeding. You literally are bleeding. So you've got Kitty here that you can just be you know, and just love and love and love and cat. 15 seconds tops, and you better watch yourself. Because if you can't get your hand, he will wrap himself around your calf and begin eating you, okay? Um, it's just like, he just loves you so much that he wants to make you bleed, okay? Um, so when you look at Kitty, and you look at these personality differences, Kitty's so gentle, okay? And Cat, Cat, Cat kills possums, okay? On a regular basis. Cat is not gentle. Cat is anything but gentle. I got a question for you. How common, how common is the highly valuable character trait of gentleness in our world? How common is it? You know, it's kind of interesting. Um, Mark, Mark Scott said years and years ago in homiletics class where we learned how to, to preach, and none of us learned how to preach quite like Mark Scott. We would, I think it was job security. He wouldn't teach us quite that good because that guy can preach the wall, wallpaper off the walls. He's amazing. All right. Now, he's, this, is, this is something he'd always say. If you put a whole lot of work into a sermon, then, and it's your baby, all right, you say you've got to name that thing, all right? And, and that's why you will see many, many times sermons are titled. Right? And sometimes it's easier, sometimes it's more difficult to try to come up with the title of a sermon. And this week I enlisted the help of Quentin Hershey to, to title this sermon. I said, Quentin, this is what we've got to do. I said, I've got to come up with something, with, with a word that, that's like something that doesn't happen very often. Um, you know, unusual, uncommon. I kind of like that one, uncommon. But it's kind of overused, you know. Um, Odd, rare. Well, we went, I went to the computer and typed it in. He went to his phone, typed it in, and then hit synonyms. Synonyms for rare. All right, and you know what popped up? Recherche. Tell me, how many of you can define recherche? Oh. (laughs) Yeah, you're exactly right. Okay, so I'm thinking, I kind of like that. I kind of like that. And Quentin said, well, I like this one, as rare as hen's teeth. <laughs> I was like, okay, Quentin, that's probably a little more daring style than recherche. So what do we get? As recherche as hen's teeth. All right, is that good or what? You're not going to remember anything else today, but you will remember the title of the sermon. Thank you, Quentin. I appreciate your help, all right? We've been talking for 11 weeks now about what it means to be approved, an approved worker before God. When God lays a call upon your heart, upon your soul, upon your life, and we put ourselves in a position to answer that call. That's what we are called to do, all right? And this is what we've looked at so far. First of all, we've looked at these qualities of life that are to be within every mature man and woman, growing Christian. All right. A good reputation. A good reputation. 
It doesn't matter what the past was about. What matters is the future. And we are to be trying to build, by the power of the Spirit sometimes, a good reputation. It does matter. Moral purity. Okay? We talked about that. We talked about a balanced life. Understanding, and this is what David had to talk about in the communion meditation. Understanding that I can live balanced in this world because I understand it's not my home. Bad things are going to happen here. This isn't home. Home awaits us. That's a balanced life. And then after that, we looked at being prudent or wise. And what that means is having a correct perspective of God, of self, ourselves, and others. Okay? Then we talked about... Actually, it was J.B. who spoke about it. J.B. will be preaching next week as well. And J.B. spoke about respectability, being respectable when our words and our actions match up, when they jive, okay? Um, then we talked about hospitality, being hospitable, and, and using what we've been given, specifically our homes, for the glory of God, for his, the advancement of his kingdom. Being able to teach, and that does not mean just teaching in Sunday school or teaching in a classroom with a chalkboard or a whiteboard behind you. No, we understand the majority of learning that we do in this life happens outside of those settings. So do we teach by the way that we live? Are we teaching others and are we teaching what's right? And then we looked at this. We, I truly believe that we are all born to be addicted to something. What we're born to be addicted to is God. And being addicted to him, not something else. Being addicted to him. And then we looked at this, overcoming self-centeredness. Understand, did, 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 you, did you catch that? Overcoming? That's present tense, okay? This is an ongoing process of overcoming ourselves. All right? And then we talked about managing our anger. And then we followed that up with managing our anger. I don't... <laughs> Paul, he, he talked about it twice in 1 Timothy and in Titus. And then we find ourselves back in 1 Timothy, chapter 3. And I'm in 2 Timothy. We're not going to be there quite yet. 1 Timothy, chapter 3, right near the end of your New Testament. All right? We're going to be bounce around just a little bit today, but we'll come full circle back to 2 Timothy here in a little bit. And this is what it says, verse 2. An overseer must then be above reproach husband of one wife, temperate, prudent, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not addicted to wine or pugnacious, but gentle. The word in the Greek is epiakis. And what it means, it is a unique combination of two things. Gentleness and patience. Oh my goodness, those are so easy. Those things are so easy to do in life, isn't that right? Combine being patient with being gentle, and you get what Paul was referring to with this word. Once again, as recherche as hen's teeth in our world. I know what you're thinking. Oh, preacher, being gentle is not that rare. It's just not that rare. Look at the babies, okay? Now, now maybe... Her siblings aren't quite that gentle with her yet, but it's, they, it's, they intend to be, you know, all right? Yeah, we're so gentle with babies, with puppies. We're just gentle little thingies, you know? Food plots, freshly planted. Maybe you don't understand. 
talking about. It's, it's funny because we'll be walking in a food plot, you know, and it's like that tall. And I'm like, don't step on that. Don't step on that. And they're like, Dad, the deer do it all the time. You don't get onto them. Like, okay, well, their feet are a lot smaller than yours. All right. Okay. So we can be gentle when we want to be. We can be gentle when it's easy to be gentle. But what about the times we don't want to be gentle or patient? New Testament highlights a couple of situations where it can be difficult to be patient and gentle. I'm getting a lot of help here from, from Gene Gett's book, Measure of a Man. We're going to highlight two specific situations. This is interestingly enough the Apostle Paul writing in both of these occasions. The very first thing we'll look to, turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. It, it literally will only be probably about 25 to 30 pages for you in your Bible. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Stick a finger there just for a second. When I think of 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1, what pops into my brain is this. The defensive liability. The defensive liability. And no, I'm not talking about the Kansas City Chiefs. Because <laughs> their defense is a liability. Okay, that's a whole different story. Not going to chase that rabbit, okay? The defensive liability. Read for read along with me here. Chapter 10, verse 1. We're only going to read the very first part of verse 1. Now, I, Paul, myself, urge you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. The exact same word for gentleness Paul uses here that he uses in 1 Timothy. Let me tell you a little something about Corinth. Paul and, and the church in Corinth had this, this crazy love-hate relationship, okay? Now, Paul loved them and sometimes... Now, Paul never hated them, but sometimes they, they, they loved to hate him, all right? Um, this church, he spent a lot of time there. He spent a lot of effort. Matter of fact, of, of what Paul, we have of the writing of Paul in the New Testament, the majority comes from First and Second Corinthians, letters that he wrote to the church in Corinth. And if you look closely at those two letters, you'll find he wrote them more than just those two occasions as well. Okay, But we only have two of them recorded. And not only that, he wrote two of his letters to other churches while he was staying in Corinth. So he spent a lot of time. And Paul had called out the church in Corinth multiple times about their attitude and their actions. And yet he did not give up on this church. He'd put forth a tremendous amount of effort with these people. Unfortunately, they had the tendency to get a little too big for their britches sometimes. Okay? That's... that's my grandpa used to say that. Oh, don't get too big for your britches. He called me Sparrow Legs. <laughs> I don't know why. That was my name, Sparrow Legs. All right. I still got him. I won't show him to you, all right? Sparrow Legs, don't get too big for your britches, all right? Well, this church would do that. And there were times that Paul would have to address the church. When he called them out, there were times that the church, people within the church, would retaliate by attacking Paul's character and, get this, even his appearance. Because I'm going to tell you, from what we get about Paul by his own pen, what he looked like, 
he was not physically an impressive specimen, okay, at all. And they said this, oh, his letters are strong, but boy, when he shows up, man, he's kind of a pansy, you know. It even got to the point, at one time, Paul said, I'm coming back, people of Corinth. When I come back, do you want me to come back in love or with a baseball bat? All right, now he didn't use baseball bat. He used club, (laughs) is what he used, all right? But they had this thing going back and forth, yet he loved them. Look at all of verse 1 of chapter 10 of 2 Corinthians. We only read the first part of it. Let's read all of it. Now I, Paul, myself urge you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, I who am meek when face to face with you, but bold toward you when absent. Um, If you don't catch it right there, that sentence is dripping with sarcasm. Okay, yeah, Paul, Paul could be a little sarcastic, okay? Dripping with it, all right? Paul had to set the record straight when it came to his place within the church. If you read chapters 10, chapters 11, and chapters 12, you will find out Paul spends all of that time setting the record straight when it came to his place as an apostle, as an evangelist for Jesus Christ. And I know what you're thinking. You think, boy, he spent a lot of time. Did he really, he must have been kind of hung up on himself just a little bit. No, not really. This is the issue. Paul was so much about the gospel. The gospel is this. Jesus came. He died, he was buried, and he rose again. And by that power, our lives can be transformed. Paul was, everything about Paul was gospel. So when you begin attacking Paul, you're attacking his message as well. And Paul could care less about him being attacked, but he could not abide by the message he brought being attacked. So Paul did defend himself. I'll tell you what, there's some amazing things in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, 11, and 12. 12 will blow your mind. It'll knock your socks off, all right? He talks about, Paul got the, got the, the opportunity, whether it was a vision or whether it really happened in body. He doesn't even know, but he got to see heaven. Okay, how many people, how many people got to do that and walk around and talk about it? And he said, I can't even say, I'm, I, I heard things I'm not permitted to talk about. I can't. Paul didn't give up on the people in Corinth. And he communicated with them, even when he was frustrated with them. He communicated with them in a gentle and a patient way while sharing the truth. Paul was not an ear tickler, okay? He wouldn't just start spouting things out of his mouth that weren't truth just to make somebody feel better about themselves. He defended the message. He defended the truth. And yes, he would defend himself. But this is the amazing thing. And I'm quoting Gene Getz here about Paul. And this is so unique. And it's something that we should adopt in our lives. He did this. Paul defended himself without being defensive. 
So the first part of being gentle is dealing gently with our brothers and sisters, with our family, with our brothers and sisters in Christ. But that's not the end of it. How many of you like the new LED headlights? Okay. How many of you like them on your car? How many of you like them on the car coming at you in the middle of the night? I figured that was the case, all right? I hate those things. I absolutely hate them. I got these LED spotlights on our our Jeep, and there are times I want to just flip those suckers on and say, you think you got some brights, buddy. Why don't you look at this, all right? And then we'll both be in the ditch going to the hospital, okay? I mean, I'm not a fan of these things, okay? I feel like I'm going down the road, and I feel like Clark Griswold's neighbors when he turns on his Christmas lights, okay? It's like, wah! And they can't, it's like, turn those things down. And then you try, to, you try to flash them so they'll turn their brights off, and you realize their brights are off. They turn their brights on, and then blah, you can't see anything, all right? It is not a gentle light. I can tell you that right now. Give me gentle halogens any day of the week, buddy, all right? That's what I like. You know something? We are called by our Savior himself. His own words, we are called to be light in a dark world. Now, here's the question. Are we halogens that bring the light gently, or are we white lightning LEDs so harsh that everyone turns and heads the other direction? What are we? Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. Paul's not done with Timothy yet, all right? He wrote two letters to him. 2 Timothy chapter 2, the end of 2 Timothy chapter 2. We've got three verses here we're going to look at kind of closely. And we'll wrap things up. It's what Paul says. He says, The Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to all, able to teach, patient when wrong. Oh, there's something about this list that sounds a little familiar. With gentleness, correcting those who are in opposition, if perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth, and that they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his So the bondservant of Jesus Christ, dot, 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 is to, with gentleness, correct those who are in opposition. i got a question for you. Speaking of the church, speaking of the people of God, Christ's people, why do we get riled up? When the world opposes us. When they take Ten Commandments off the walls of courthouses. When they remove prayer from schools. When they put filth into sitcoms. When they glorify alternative lifestyles. Why do we get so riled up? It's the world. And the world is doing exactly what they are supposed to do. Are we doing it? This is the question. 
are we doing what we're supposed to do? Correcting those in opposition takes courage, folks. I'm not talking about putting forth a petition. I'm not talking about standing and picketing about something. I'm talking about going to people of the world and taking a stand for the truth. And it takes courage to do that. But you know what's even more difficult? To do that with gentleness. Same word Paul uses in 1 Timothy. If we take If we are going to take a stand for the truth with gentleness, it takes more than courage. It takes Jesus and his gift to us, the Holy Spirit. Because if you take a stand for the truth, the world's not going to treat you with kids' gloves. Are you going to retaliate? Am I going to retaliate? What is the rest? Verse 25. With gentleness correcting those who are in opposition. Why? Because if perhaps God may grant them repentance leading to the knowledge of the truth. And they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil. Being held captive by him to do his will. You know what being held captive means literally? And some of your versions might say it. Those who have been taken alive by Satan. Taken alive. That means they're still living. That means there's still hope. And it also means the stakes are very high. Why does the light that we shine for Jesus in this world need to be a gentle light? Because it's the only way that what? They will come to their senses. These are the questions we have to ask ourselves when it comes to being a light. Very, very, very first part of the mission statement of our congregation. Being a light, bringing others to salvation in Jesus Christ, building disciples. Being a light. These are the questions we have to ask ourselves. Because if you are a follower of Jesus and the Holy Spirit is alive and well in you, you will be being a light. So the first question is this. Have I chosen in the past to turn my light down? To dim it? Maybe to shut that sucker off. Am I going to turn my light off? How about this one? Am I going to blind people with my light? (laughs) They're going to know what I stand for. Absolutely. They're going to know the truth where I work. That's right. I'm going to shine that light every day on them. I'm going to shine it bright. I'm going to make them hate the light. Or am I going to use my light to lead 
people to freedom. The most attractive people in this world are gentle giants. And I'm not saying anything that has anything to do with stature. <laughs> All right. My folks and my brother and my sister have been down in Memphis, Tennessee for the past couple of days. They're on their way home right now. But they've been down there for a reason. My, my, dad's, my dad has two sisters. He was the oldest. And then behind him was Aunt Francie. is Aunt Francie. And, and behind her is Aunt Becky. Okay. Um, Aunt Becky and her husband, Uncle John, they're missionaries in Spain right now. But Aunt Becky's back kind of seeing and being with Aunt Francie. See, Aunt Francie's in really, really poor, poor health. And uh, it's, it's become pretty clear that her, her days are very, very numbered. Um, amazing thing about Aunt Francie is she's just, she's tiny. I mean, <laughs> I'm serious. She's, she's, like, she's like this tall, okay? She's like, she's like Miss Mississippi Southern. You know what I mean? I mean, like, like it's, I love hearing her talk. You think we got accents in Kansas? Go to central Mississippi. There's some accents down there. And I just love hearing her talk with that, with that Mississippi draw, you know. And now she's in Memphis, so she's a northerner, all right? So um, when I think of Aunt Francie, she was here for her wedding. Her and Aunt Becky both um, played the piano that day for Donna and I. Um, incredibly talented gal. But what I remember most about Aunt Francie in her life, because we're already, it's gotten to that point, we're thinking of it almost in past tense already, her life. I don't know if that's right or wrong. It's just life, okay? The, the great thing about it is, is we're not worried whatsoever about the days. We're not worried for Aunt Francie. I mean, she's, she's headed home. You know. Little B thing. She's always been a gentle giant. She's always stood for the truth. And she's always done it with a kind, a humble, a patient, and a gentle heart. And she's five foot one inch. She's a giant. It's character that matters, folks. I can tell you right now, there are giants among us. When you combine gentleness with righteousness, do you get that for a second? Let's, 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 a little bit of a read, all right? When you combine gentleness with righteousness, you know what you get? Jesus. That's what you get. Gentle giants. You know the amazing thing about Paul's lists of mature believer character traits? 
We've been looking at him for 11 weeks now. And it just hit me this week as I was working through this. It just hit me. As I looked at these lists, put them side by side, it just blew my mind how much of these lists, how many of these qualities, these character traits, these values, it blew my mind how many of them had to do with the way we relate to people. Relate with each other. It's about relationships. I'm convinced if we truly learn how to properly relate with people, people of this world who desperately need Jesus, and people in our family who sometimes desperately need our love, I'm convinced if we learn how to properly relate to people, we'll have the vast majority of being Christ-like down pat. There's some of you in this room Gentleness comes easily to you. Be thankful. And don't forget to take a stand for the truth. It's interesting how sometimes we mislabel gentleness when it comes to our dealings with the world. It's like, oh man, I know that his lifestyle... I mean, I know it's kind of rough. Rough enough, I don't feel real comfortable being around him when I'm at work. But I got to be gentle when it comes to dealing with him. You know, got to be gentle. And sometimes we mistake our own gentleness when it's really not gentleness it's cowardice because what he needs more than anything is somebody to tell him in love unless you make a change you're going to hell the stakes are high And then, there's those of us, boy, we'll take a stand for the truth all day long. And yet we forgot the guy that we admire more than anybody else, our Lord and Savior, took a stand for the truth, and he wept for the people he was bringing the truth to who rejected him. Yeah, folks, truth and gentleness. You want them both at work in your life? Pray for God to work in your life, because that's the only way it's going to happen. Would you stand with us, please? The Lord's working on your heart. Doesn't have anything to do with what we talked about today, and maybe it does. Don't leave here without talking to somebody about it, praying with somebody about it. 
And maybe something needs to happen beyond that. Folks, David spoke very truthfully of it in our time before communion. This world can deal roughly with the people of this world sometimes. Deal roughly with us. And it's not easy to live for Jesus in a world like this. We keep firmly focused. This world's not our home. And we're headed to a place where truth and gentleness and righteousness will reign not only supreme, but will reign in us. Amen. Father, we come before you. We thank you so much, Lord, for the example of, of Paul. But we know that Paul was, was, a, was a man who messed up sometimes. We thank you for his words. We thank you for his challenge to us to stand for the truth and yet to do it in such a way that we actively show love to people. Even those who are living in the wrong, or maybe perhaps have even wronged us. Help us to live like Paul lived, because Paul could only do it by the power of Spirit. So what does that say about us? We need your help, Lord. And we thank you that we not only have the help through Jesus Christ, but we have his examples. He, he lived it, Lord, perfectly. And we're called to be like Jesus. Help us to live in that way to hurt for this world, Lord. And to love like Jesus loved. Help us to do that this week as we get with family members that maybe we don't even enjoy being around too much. But maybe some of those family members need Jesus. Help us to love like Jesus loved. We pray this in the name of Jesus.